Indeed, Cakey Wilchiff. Hello and welcome to Season 2, Episode 9 of the Library Podcast. I'm David Smith and I'm joined today by Franny Walsh, Marty Gillespie and Oren Patrick. Welcome, lads. Well, well, we're doing. Today we're going to be discussing Richard Osman's best-selling debut novel, The Thursday Murder Club. For a lot, we'll check in with the lads. Marty, how are you? How's your weekend going? All good, all good. We're uh, finished up our Easter holidays now. This is my... My last evening um, before going back to school tomorrow. So I um, had a great two weeks there. I was in Lisbon the first weekend with a group of us. And I've been to Lisbon before. Like, and it was a great city. Like, but it was just, I know there's something about going with a group that, you know, it's a lot of fun. You know, it's funny though when your mates aren't teachers. Like, you know, <laughs> we only went for the weekend and, you know, we were flying back on the Sunday and everyone was like, oh, geez, you know, will I? Well, I take the Monday off. I wish I did. I wish I didn't. And, you know, we were flying back from our holidays and my holidays were starting the next day for two weeks. You know? So I, I, I was holding my tongue for a good, a good period of it, which I know then today was an, an all sport day. Uh, anytime Donegal is playing the championship, like everything is dropped. Uh, I know you're the same, Smith, when it comes to, to Liverpool and possibly would be if Meads were any good. But, you know, that's a different conversation. But, but yeah, all good with me. All good, good stuff. Uh, Oren, what about you? You're on the pints there on Saturday. Yeah. <laughs> if only you could have joined us. It's a long weekend here, obviously, so I'm good. I'm out for a few on uh, for a bit of a boozy brunch on uh, Saturday. And the boozy brunch turned into a boozy afternoon and boozy evening. Yesterday was spent cooped up at home here a little bit worse for wear. And then today is Anzac Day, so away. we're up for myself and David. We're up at was it half four for a, for a dawn service and off to Diggers for a bit of two up now later on. So looking forward to it. But that's about as exciting as the weekend has been. Yeah. So it's uh, this two up thing that Oren mentioned is like this gambling game that's only legal today in Australia every year. So it's like basically heads or tails. They just flip two coins. Uh, so we're going to a big pub and we do it outdoor. They've got like a MC guy doing it and just bet on heads or tails all day. So it's generally a bit of crack. All right. It should be good. What about you, Franny? How was your weekend going? Um, I'm just back in Ireland as of Monday, so I've kind of been at home here in Waterford this weekend, not doing a whole lot, quite enough. When I was actually in Spain last weekend, we were in a villa, there's like 25 of us out in this villa out in like near Girona, I think. It's kind of like not far outside Barcelona, but uh, that was class. I got lovely weather for that, like, and there was a pool and barbecue and all that sort of sort of crack, so that was unreal. And then a uh, fairly shook flying home on, on Easter Monday, but uh. Yeah, I've been home for a week now and it's grand. The weather's actually been probably better here, I'd say, than like it was when I was away, really. Like in Portugal when I was there, it was like lashing rain every day for a month nearly. It's been lovely down in uh, in Waterford for the last few days, which is nice. Sunny southeast. Good stuff. Yeah, I didn't do much now for the weekend either. I had a soccer match on Saturday, first game of the season, so we won that, thankfully. I can barely walk since. I went in and met Oren and the others in the city then, Saturday night, and a uh, good hour night. We went in a karaoke bar till uh, all hours, so that was good crack. If the Laura had a karaoke session, what would you, what would you be singing? I'd probably go for a bit Sweet Caroline, I reckon. Okay, good. Uh, very good. Very Get good. The crowd going. I've heard you. I've heard you do a, a fairly decent Natalie Imbruglia torn rendition once that's, or twice. Uh, that's, yes. yeah, that's high <laughs> on the that's high on the list. Those two, and I wanted that way with Backstreet Boys, are probably complete the top three. I reckon. Uh, the curly hair kind of fits in with that. Right? Here you doing a uh, doing torn by Natalie Imbruglia. Yeah, yeah. It's, I, a, it's a. It's probably my best one to be honest. That's my party piece. <laughs> 
Or have you heard Oren, Oren with any renditions? No, Oren keeps it quiet. I, I reckon a bit of Dance of the Dark for Oren, maybe. Yeah, I reckon I'd be just doing well Bruce Springsteen start to finish every single time. Uh, I'd say you're Barry White. The walrus of, <laughs> the walrus of low, low as he's doing. Low and slow. <laughs> what about you, Marty? What would yours be? Uh, I'd always go with Bill Weathers' lovely day. It's always a good one oh, to very good. get people involved. Like, yeah, you know. very good. What about you, Franny? Smoke weed every day or something. <laughs> 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 um, no, I don't know. I've never actually done karaoke. I feel like if I did it, like the fear the next day would be, uh, yeah, would just be too intense. Yeah, I can see you doing a bit of Oasis or something, Freddie. Yeah, fuck it, actually. What's the what's the slow one? The don't look back in anger. I get uh, that yeah. laugh. Yeah, that'd be good. <laughs> bit of Liam Gallagher about you, Eric. <laughs> Very on topic there, but uh, will we move on to the book? <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. so this book really, I don't know what you say, it was one of the first big pandemic books, but it kind of felt like that, and it won, or it broke loads of records, and it was like the fastest selling crime book ever, and stuff like that. Um, I remember hearing a lot about it, the only reason I bought it or knew about it was because I saw so many articles. Had you, any of you read it before? I had never come across it actually until you, suggest, I think it was, it was you who suggested it for like this kind of season. And uh, I'd never heard of it really before. But then I kind of like, you know, I, I, obviously you were saying that it was big on social media and like big on the charts or whatever. And like I kind of, when I heard that, I was kind of not that enthusiastic about it because uh, previously when we were like, you know, like the last big chart book that we kind of did was The Midnight Library. And like, I know I hated that. Like, I think I gave that a three out of 10. And I think like generally it was fairly like badly panned as well. Uh, so that was kind of like, for me, that was kind of like what I was afraid was going to happen with this one. And then I had it on Audible then, and I saw it was like 12 hours long on Audible, and I was like, this is going to be some slog now. So I kind of actually deliberately put off starting the pages, but then once I got into it, like, I loved it from, from the very start. Like, I thought it was fast. thought the characters were unreal, thought it was nicely written, thought it was like a good balance between funny and kind of serious, and it was, there was like enough mystery to it for it to be that, but it wasn't all that. It wasn't all these technical twists and turns and stuff, and just I thought it was really balanced and like, very enjoyable and I was a huge fan of it now I have to say I was really pleasantly surprised like you know I thought I was gonna like at best kind of like it but no I was I was a huge fan yeah good stuff that's a good start uh what about you Oren how did you feel about it I only read this I actually read it last August and then prepped for this I'd heard you talk about it a bit and kind of you'd give it a, a fairly decent review uh, not something I was tracking like that. I wouldn't tend to go for a murder mystery in general or for a kind of chart books like that. There was a nice level of kind of cheesy and, you know, the the characters I thought were very interesting and, and there was no big kind of kind of different Atticus pun where it was kind of the one hero you kind of got behind everybody and all that sort of crack. So um, I have to say, very enjoyed it. Relatively easy read, nothing hectic. Um, but yeah, no, it was decent. Yeah, I think, I don't think I liked it quite as much as you did. That's, um, like, I did enjoy it. But, you know, when I first finished it, I was kind of left thinking, like, what was all that hype about? But, you know, I read that the first time I read it was before Christmas. And, you know, in the last, last few days when I've been kind of catching up, I thought, geez, actually, you know, that was much better than, than I gave it credit for back then. Now, in fairness, I, like you, Franny, I was listening to it. I listened to it on Borrowbox. I don't know if it on Audible it had this, but the last track is an interview with Marion Keys with Richard Osman. Like, and you know, it was in the middle of my walk, so I, I said I'd, I'd carry on listening to it. But you know, whenever you finish a book, whether it's you know an audiobook or you know a Kindle or a, a hard copy, 
you kind of take a, a few minutes to digest it and see like you know what what side of the scale does it come out on like you know did you, did you enjoy it did you not what did you what didn't you but I didn't give it that time before I went into the interview with Marion Keys and Marion Keys like absolutely licks his hole like I'm trying to think of a nicer way to say that it's like what's <laughs> the <laughs> so like no harm in the Marion Keys an absolutely fantastic writer like and all that <laughs> but it was just a little bit cloying you know, after not having my mind made up. Um, so I think that kind of gave me a nasty, a nasty taste in my mouth. But sorry, back to the book. I really enjoyed it. But again, in hindsight, I thought it was really well constructed. You know, it, it, I really liked the, as you mentioned, Brandy, like the characters and like the relationships between them and, you know, some of the kind of touch points he had on, you know, like say parent-child dynamics, especially like parent and adult-child dynamics or like a little bits of like, social justice and stuff he touched on and there was lots of little subtle things like that that I really enjoyed what what did you think Smith? Yeah that's interesting I definitely enjoyed it more with time as well because I only read the second book uh, The Man Who Died Twice a couple of months ago when it came out and when I was reading that I was thinking back I was like oh this first book like these stories are so good and it's so well constructed and Cooper's Chase and like each member of the group is so well defined and so good yeah at the time like uh I bought the book and I saw all these articles about how it was flying off the shelves. And I saw one interview with like a bookseller saying it was like the biggest sales they'd seen since Harry Potter. So I did think it was going to be an incredible book, which uh, it wasn't for me, but I still really enjoyed it. But maybe if I'd heard nothing about it and picked it up and read it, I would have been like, this was brilliant. I really liked those murder mysteries, crime. I thought it was, I like that British humor as well, that like kind of non-PC older person humor as well that was literally throughout I thought was really good and I really like Richard Osman as well like I knew him from Pointless and stuff the TV show and I follow him on Twitter and stuff and he's pretty funny and uh, witty so yeah I really liked it and uh, looking back at it here as well I've read it a couple of years ago so I did a bit of rereading and looking over it and yeah I thought it was really good and it holds up really well too. It's funny what you were saying about the the non-PC things and like it was a very smart device how he did that like through the older generation is that but like you know he he discusses that about how and it's you can see it in in the book like, that you know all those characters and older people in general who lack the terminology for political correctness they're still generally big supporters of whatever they're struggling to label you know they might not know the right terminology to use but like they're very quite often they're very much like hey go on ahead do your own thing like but i thought it was very clever using more senior citizens to to get to use that like you know there was a couple of lines in it like and i was listening to it and i was like there's a couple of lines in it when i heard them i was like like i actually laughed out loud they were so funny but i remember being struck as well by thinking like they do get away with a little bit more because they're of that generation kind of like the kind of the half the semi-racist sort of stuff that you kind of can't say like you know nowadays but like you know it is it's kind of harmless and funny at the same time like you know but like i really i really i thought it was quite clever as well though because like it's obvious there's compassion there as well you know there's obvious there's no badness and it kind of presents it in a way that like it makes you understand that maybe you know it's not the worst thing in the world but yeah i really enjoyed that that aspect of it the humor in general like was was quite good you know it was very it was very seldom that there was anybody kind of like at the butt of the joke or anything like that you know it was very as you say franny kind of harmless enough the jokes that were or the humor that was in it but it was still funny i thought there was a nice balance too between like kind of humor and kind of profundity as well like you know there was a couple of moments in it where like 
a real awareness of kind of the struggles that older people do have and like you know showing the kind of the brightness in it too and like showing that's not the end of the world and maybe the worst thing ever and like I thought the, the way he balanced that between those kind of elements and uh and the humor and as well the kind of the myth the murder mystery then as well kind of weaves way in through that there's like one difference I did find myself with this like it was another book was I was comparing it to was um Horowitz's book that we did Magpie Murders and I found myself thinking that Magpie Murders is a lot more technical like it was there was a lot more kind of like elements to the mystery and 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 that kind of stuff and I found like that that's kind of cool and when that all unravels at the end of, of those books it's unreal but there was a lot more scope I kind of found for you know a human story in this and like probably a bit more humor as well so I kind of I found the balance was uh was very good funny you mentioned magpie murders there franny you know the audiobook it was it was narrated by leslie leslie manville she is playing susan in magpie murders when it comes out in september so she is yeah yes mark you're getting the facts in early this week i'd love to see you i suppose then like there's so many interesting and memorable characters maybe we should dive into them a bit i think ron was my favorite of the four i really like joyce as well but ron for me i just thought of you know ray winston the actor who's on like the ads and you see a lot of movies and stuff i thought ron was just reminding me i could definitely see ray winston playing him if they adopt which i think they are going to make a movie out of but just that old school like geezer all bluff all talk but then, like, as you mentioned, my profound moments, Franny, come out with these, like, lovely touching gestures and comments. But then he's probably the prime candidate for the non-PC kind of older generation view on things. But I found him hilarious and all his union stuff and all his, like, boasts about the past and that. I thought he was brilliant. And Joyce as well. I thought, like, some of the most profound lines were even the ones in her diary or whatever, or some of her ruminations or just musings on, yeah, like, growing older and what it's like to be in that kind of retirement village was really interesting yeah i reckon definitely joyce for me i thought she brought a very like what's the word i'm looking for here like a kind of real human aspect to the whole story and i think every now and then part of me kind of felt that the book might have come across a bit kind of constructed like kind of i find i get that with a lot of murder mysteries where someone's just said oh you need obviously x y and z and then it all unravels and you get that like you kind of know what way it's laid out but i thought joyce brought a lovely as you said, her journal, her relationship with Bernard. Bernard, that was it. Like, I thought that was a nice, broad, just an extra element and aspect to the book, to a murder mystery book to just, and I didn't think would be in there sort of thing. Um, I think that's what I loved more about the books, that kind of depth that it was brought. So yeah, now definitely Joyce for me. But I loved the interactions between the whole Thursday Murder Club. As you say, the two lads there, the kind of youthful boasting almost that went on between two old lads it was almost like you're what, like kind of reading about a group in school or something like that you know it's just kind of human nature of it all I thought was brilliant I liked Ibrahim I have to say I found him like intriguing um I found it was really like you could kind of really picture him like he was just kind of you know kind of a fine older gentleman and like obviously he had knew a lot about the world and had had the time to consider a lot about what he knew and like you could kind of tell there was a lot of kind of layers to him and uh there was one quote I took down it was kind of one of his chapters but it was he was describing like his work as a psychotherapist and the quote was the bank manager who cried and cried and could not be saved. And I just thought there was something really like, there was something really kind of nice about the way he worded that. It was kind of very evocative. Like it was, I don't know, it just really struck me when I heard it and I kind of had to take it down. But I, I thought there was a lot of that with him. Like, you know, there was a lot of, it was really well drawn, like his character and his background and kind of, you know, how he was viewing things. And 
and kind of there was a bit of crack about him as well but like I felt he was probably maybe the most serious of the four yeah no he kind of he struck a chord with me now I have to say I liked Elizabeth as well because you could kind of she was kind of in a kind of more of a funny way like you could really picture like she's nearly like a Karen you know kind of bustling around the place and fucking making things happen but uh yeah no she could crack as well like Elizabeth probably had the most going on like she had the most crazy the craziest story or the most contacts or the most kind of spotlight yeah. yeah essentially or spotlight moments I was going to say but like she didn't maybe endear herself as much as the other ones like I no, I just thought Joyce's relationships with everyone in the book were so relatable like the the unspoken anxiety or whatever like between her and her between her and her daughter like when Joanna like, moves to the city and you know she's kind of feels a little bit separated and I think it's it kind of a storyline or relationship that's very applicable to you know our generation like because you know we're probably at the age now where like we are you know maybe thinking about roots somewhere like you know and it's it's, it's kind of a bit very relatable but like Joyce as well she's very often the voice of reason another person I'd say was Bogdan I found interesting I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on Bogdan but Bogdan's a weird one like he could be seen as the villain almost in ways I suppose but then like he's very likable and uh, like he's very good at Steve and Elizabeth's husband plays chess with him and they all seem to think he's quite kind and trustworthy but he's committed two murders like so uh, <laughs> it's a funny uh, it's a funny balance with him I was actually going to mention Bogdan myself uh, I really like Bogdan I thought there was like a really good sort of a kind of a a grey like as in not black and white but grey element to him like you know he was really kind of he was like there was kind of grit to him and like you know he obviously was not perfect but like there was a real sort of you couldn't really tell whether he was bad or he was good like you know when he was um the grave digging scene like you know you kind of at that point you kind of realize like he's not afraid to get his hands dirty like you know he's not perfect but like you know there is kind of you feel like he probably falls on like the right side of the fence in terms of morality maybe and then at the end, like, you know, that's obviously brought completely home with the, with the whole murders thing. You know, you kind of, like you said, Smith, you're kind of left, you know, wondering, is this lad the villain? Because I was really liking him the whole way up. And I thought, like, I thought as well it was kind of a nice touch as well that he didn't get done for the murders, you know, because it was kind of unusual in that respect. With murder mysteries, like, usually that's kind of the big thing. Like, you know, no matter how sympathetic you might feel towards the perpetrator, they usually end up getting done anyway. So I kind of felt that was a really nice kind of way to finish it out. I thought I was glad too that the book ended with Bogdan. So I was really enjoying Bogdan the whole way up. I thought he was a, I thought he was a class character. I was the same as that. Like I, I really enjoyed him, but I, I was kind of wary of him. Like I was at the, towards the end, I was like, is he going to fucking kill Stephen? Like is he after after I met him to Stephen, is he going to give him the bishop down the throat or something like that? You know. Um, Sounded incredibly sexual, or maybe yeah, my mind should have gone to Jesus. <laughs> One thing that he does say in, in the interview with Marion Keys that I thought was very interesting was that he only intended to write Bogdan in one scene you know the start where Ian Bentham is like looking for you know a window replaced or something like that and Bogdan had to fill a role there but he was such a fun character to write Gordon Osmond he was like ah no I have to keep this lad in you know and it, it was about three quarters of the way through before he decided he was the murderer you know but I thought it was I thought Bogdan as a character Bogdan as the murderer and as you mentioned Franny like the consequences or lack there of worked really well because like there was a certain level of you know 
definitely empathy, but you could kind of there was a small part of what he did that you're like, oh well, it was all not it wasn't a good deed, but you know the people he killed weren't. It was a, it was a revenge killing, like you know, it wasn't yeah. really, you know, wasn't that he was doing it to protect someone or to yeah. like yeah. Know, do something. Maybe yeah. something good happened to him. Like he was just basically angry at a man decided to whack yeah. him, like you know, yeah. <laughs> like, a vendetta. that sympathetic for him, really. Yeah. I don't know. There was just there was a real sort of like intelligence to him too. Like he was really pragmatic and like he was willing to work with Inventum, even though like Inventum was like you know clearly not sound. You know he probably didn't like like him or want to be around him or be involved with him but like he kind of he, he did it and kind of kept his mouth shut I thought there was that really kind of quiet sort of intelligence to him which I liked as well so we said I suppose we all just said there that we didn't think Bogdan would be the killer or we worried that he would be the ultimate villain who did you think was the killer like had anyone any thoughts or was anyone anyway close to figuring it out as you went along I actually had Elizabeth for a long time you know I, I did have her there just because the you know the she was a little secretive throughout you know and was it Bernard was it Bernard whose whose wife yeah. yeah I thought for a while it might have been might have been him but you know those are the two major ones there was a small like I mean about a chapter a chapter full of a stage where I was like oh, is it Joyce and thankfully it wasn't but yeah I was kind of thinking it was one of the four or they were somehow involved or like one of the two lads I, c- I couldn't figure out exactly how or why and um, I never kind of I thought it'd be too obvious that it was Bogdan but I don't know about you this might be a ridiculous statement but I was almost like lulled into a false sense of security with a like the Thursday murder club being the title that somehow none of these were the murders it was an all a big accident or something like that like it all seemed too nice or something why well, I like I thought that contributed to it being a a great book, a great read, that it was all unraveled like that. Uh, yeah, like you, Warren, I was like, I was kind of like thinking, like, surely one of the four has to be involved. Like, I kind of felt like it would nearly be a letdown if none of them were. I don't know, I kind of, this is kind of one of the, the quirks of Audible too, for like this sort of stuff, is that I feel like I didn't really have time to kind of consider it too much. Like, I was actually remember thinking this at some point during the book, listening to it thinking like I like if this was a novel now when I was sitting down reading off the page I'd probably pause and be like oh is it this person is it that person but when it keeps tipping along like you're less inclined to do that so I don't like think I actually really made a guess uh, early on I kind of thought it might have been Jason Ritchie all right I thought I, I was surprised he ended up not really being properly embroiled in it but other than him no I didn't really kind of I definitely didn't see Bogdan coming now I have to say that was that was definitely a surprise he was so clever, though. I liked, there was one line I just remembered from him where he was playing chess with Stephen and he says to Elizabeth that chess is easy. You just always make the right move. I thought that was very, like, uh, prophetic or a nice little bit of foreshadowing then for, like, he covered his tracks and stuff so well that that probably is how he ultimately did stay out of jail, as you said, Franny, which is a weird thing in these books or, like, a, a notable thing that he didn't end up behind bars. Another character I think was good was the DCI Chris Hudson, the policeman. I thought him and Donna worked well. I wasn't sure at the start, but I thought he brought good humor either intentionally or like at his expense. Like there's, <laughs> I think when Ron was rebelling against when Ron asked him, was he happy? And Chris said something like, well, I'm 51 years old, overweight and divorced. What do you think? Or <laughs> something like that. And I kind of liked his little touches as well. I thought it was like a good break in the scenes away from the Cooper's chase. I don't know if anyone else had any thoughts on him and Donna. I yeah, uh, I really have to say, like looking back at it now, I feel like kind of it was a very obvious thing, but I was fully sure he was gonna get with Donna. 
And then like I like I was like you know I, I was I kind of thought I had like had a rumble from the start. I was like, oh, they're definitely going to get together. And like you know, I kind of thought I was being clever. I haven't figured it out. And then he really kind of he really threw me with the whole um, mother thing. Then at the end, that was like a big surprise. I thought that was very well done. But uh, yeah, no, he was a good character in general as well. Like as you say, he was good. Like good to kind of get away from the, the central bit of it. And there was kind of it was another kind of human element to the story as well. That wasn't kind of you know it wasn't be like that closely connected to the central plot so it was kind of another kind of strand that was going on if you haven't a strong image of the character formed in your head you know say versus like tv or film you barely you can barely um compare like ages and things like that like it, it's it is implied or it's noted that you know chris is about 20 years at least older than donna and look you know there are relationships like that like but you know, it if that was if that was in a TV series or a film, we mightn't have felt as as um, inclined to think that they were going to get together. I was the same as you, Franny. I thought it was going. To, I thought it was an inevitability, like you know. And there was a small part of me uh, at the end, whenever he was kind of interested in the mother, I was like, oh, Jesus, like what are you at? But you know, <laughs> whenever I realised the age difference. I, <laughs> it made a bit more sense. I actually was kind of the same. I was kind of the same, and I'm kind of like, like I was the same as you. But like, I just, I, w- I would agree with you in terms of what you just said there about the whole book versus film thing. Because like, yeah, had you seen him from playing out in the screen, you might have been a, a little bit less inclined to think that way. But like, I was like, when he got with the mother, I was kind of like, ah, lad, come on, like. <laughs> I thought, um, I thought just as a general theme, like the kind of the struggles of getting older and like kind of doing so in that particular setting I thought were very very well dealt with because like I actually wouldn't I, I kind of avoid stuff like that a lot like films and books that are kind of dealing with older ages of team like I find it very kind of depressing like you know even if it's nicely handled it's it's very depressing a lot of the time but I found one of the things I really enjoyed about this book was that it was it really struck the balance between the tragic and, and the kind of comic elements of of getting older and like also was kind of realistic about the extent to which older people contribute, you know, like it was, it was kind of, it was kind of shown that while there is, you know, stuff they can't do to a certain extent, there is still value. And like, you're also kind of seeing like the value of a life's experience, you know, as in, in terms of like Abraham having been like a psychotherapist and Ron having been like a trade union um, leader and, and whatever else, like, you know, you're kind of seeing this, how this it can be brought to bear in like a real situation. Which I thought was really well done. I thought it was very nice. And like I thought just generally that whole team I thought was just dealt with very well. Definitely, definitely. And it's some similar to you, Franny, like it's something that you kind of you know it's a, a heavy enough topic, but you also know that hopefully it's more down the down the road before we have to deal with it ourselves and that kind of thing. But I thought it was really, really well, you know, conveyed. And like even things like, you know, John and Penny, like they weren't the value of the strength of the connection. It wasn't like John and Penny as characters weren't necessarily developed as much as, you know, the the four, the four in the, in the club or even, you know, Bogdan and, and that. But, you know, you really got a strong sense of, of what it was like to spend a, a life together and for it to be cut short for, for one of you and what it's going to be, what it could potentially be like for, the one left behind, you know, and I thought that was, I thought that was really profound. The same as well as we were talking about, you know, um, like Elizabeth's husband having, having, Stephen having dementia, you know, it's, 
it's scary like it, it is and you know it was dealt with very very delicately I think we kind of have touched on it before but I thought the relationship between Joanna and Joyce was interesting and I'm kind of from the aspect of like Joyce obviously seemed quite kind of she didn't want to be interrupting her daughter didn't want to be getting in her way and kind of I, I don't know about you boys but you kind of think of parents and older people as these confident characters who you nearly don't need to worry about their emotions and feelings sometimes because you know you kind of see them as forces in your life sort of things so or how would they feel that they couldn't interrupt sort of thing but this might sound a bit ridiculous but older people are kind of more human that they're like oh no they do have they could get as awkward around younger people trying to get involved in their lives just feel out of place feel in the way and then just not want to sort of thing do you know as much as it's a retirement village it is like all of their homes and you just have this kind of basically you know this arsehole this arrogant man coming in the side and he's just going to tear it up he's going to tear up the graveyard and again i just thought it, it really brought home the human aspect of this that like nobody should be treated with any sort of just oh it's fine they don't need to worry they're old i think that yeah dealt very well with morality and that theme of respect like the whole thing yeah about bulldozing the cemetery is touches on all those topics about loss and grief like i think the whole idea of the older people and like bernard like obviously was kind of could have had a happy maybe second stint at life with joyce but he was kind of never got over the loss of his wife and it was good at dealing with grief and how like it wasn't all happy endings and that like he never essentially got over that and then father mackie as well who was a very interesting character who we haven't touched on at all already, but he was actually another prime candidate in my head as the murderer earlier in the book. But his relationship with the nun, who I think did she commit suicide as well and she was pregnant, she was buried in the cemetery. Then obviously the central mystery, which unfurled, had to do with the cemetery as well, where it was where Penny had buried the body of the criminal she'd killed, who she couldn't put away or whatever. So I just thought that whole thing, the cemetery was a very good kind of symbol or um, kind of metaphor for all the other stuff that was going on about that respect and life and grief and all that stuff. Uh, so I thought that was dealt with really well. And the whole morality, like you felt sorry for John and Penny then when Elizabeth confronted them, they kind of chose to, he kind of chose to commit murder-suicide, I suppose, with Penny or end both their lives. So you felt sympathy for them as the murderers and also as Bogdan, who was the other murderer. So it was all grey, I suppose. So we dealt really well with those themes and that you weren't really sure how to feel about a lot of people. Yeah, just what you were saying there about Father Mackey, I think that might have been one of the reasons why, you know, early on I kind of might have dismissed the, the book to a certain extent because like, oh, here's a murder mystery and oh look we've got a priest or a vicar i wonder are they going to be involved like oh here we are again but like you know it did develop into much more than that like but in fact i think until that point where it developed into like where you really felt you know where you knew father mackie's story until that point i think i was just kind of maybe going through the motions a bit with the book but that really was maybe a turning point for me, like, you know. But just when you were saying about the morality, like, I thought that was really interesting, you know, about the, the, the symbolism of the graveyard. But there's a lot of that kind of, uh, like, human connection and human, like, empathy for, for one another in the book. Like, and, you know, um, also, like, uh, there's a certain political element to, to it, too, like, you know, but the the big developer coming in and all that. But uh, one thing I liked about that, like, the kind of, he turned that back then, whenever like joanna's company came in and bought that like you know it's kind of like a symbol of like you know the big the big the big man can be good can be good as well like or... i felt as well the kind of 
specifically the relationship between spouses and and like their spouses who were who were degenerating in terms of like you know dementia or whatever. It was really well handled in terms of like how you could nearly you could really imagine how that would kind of be, you know, because it's obviously such a difficult thing, like, you know, it's someone that you're built your life around and to see them kind of like, you know, kind of wasting away like that. Like, and I thought he did a very good job of kind of examining how that would kind of unfold, like, you know, the level of commitment that they still have to, to their husband or wife, you know, in that situation. And kind of, I thought he got a really nice sense of like the kind of the emotion that would be wrapped up in that and stuff. I thought that was very very nice to handle and it kind of like you know it comes up a couple of times like yeah I, th- I thought like just ge- yeah generally like I know I've kind of said this but like it was I thought he really dealt with the whole profundity of older age like really really well uh, before we do our rate expectations Marty have, have you any facts to weigh with this week um, short answer is no uh, I do have facts but they're not really the kind that would make you go oh no um, they're ones that kind of simple enough things from Richard Alvin himself his brother, his brother Matt, is actually relatively famous. He's in a band called Suede. I don't know if you ever heard of them. The Beautiful Ones is one of their big songs. Oh, yeah. I actually sound a bit like Richard Osman given explaining and answering point this year at the minute. But anyway, yeah. So it's a little, it's classic that it's quite common that isn't it that you know, um, a sibling in one or a, like a, a parent in, in one form of of celebrity kind of makes their the, the other makes it in a different way like. Ryan Giggs and his brother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But like, you know, like even like, you know, like, like Denise Welsh and then like Matty Healy, like 1975 and your one from Coronation Street. But yeah, um, I suppose the one that people probably know is that the movies were, were bought for this by Steven Spielberg. So, you know, that's a kind of gives you the, gives you, give you an indication of like the, I suppose the popularity of it, like that he, and, and, the quality of it, I suppose, like, you know, if Spielberg's looking at, at producing it. And then, I suppose, last one then, uh, Richard Osman has a world record. He has uh, the record for identifying the most countries by their capital in 60 seconds. He was able to name 30 countries by looking at their capital city in one minute. So, a very pointless fact and a very pointless world record. And quite a number of pointless puns. Speaking of uh, pointless world records, I actually hold a pointless world record, would you believe? No, you don't. don't. Not one to show pointless, but just in terms of pointlessness. But like I, uh, along with about 1,800 other uh, school children from the Waterford area, in 2006, uh, participated in the world's ever biggest ring-a-ring Rosie. So yeah, if you Google it now, it's it's, still... I actually checked it recently because... (laughs) The reason I actually checked into it recently was because I was using it on I forgot Bumble, the words. One of my two truths on a lie on Bumble. A Bumble, like <laughs> CV, I'd say you're using it. <laughs> but uh, I, I looked it up because there's a Guinness World Record database on uh, online, so I, I typed it in like, and it's still there. So if you're if, if anyone's interested, like you know, feel free to check that up. Now. That's that's me there. That's my claim to fame. I want to put you down for more of a merry little lamb, man. But look. All right, lads, on that note, we'll move on to our raid expectations. Podge is still away in his travels, but he's taken the time to send us in his own rating for the book. Well, lads, sorry to miss the live recording again, but sending you a little review of my own from um, Cafayate in Argentina. So, Thursday Murder Club, I'd probably give it about a six, maybe six and a half at a push. I usually really enjoy murder mysteries, and... You know, it, it did keep you thinking about kind of, 
who done it and who did the different murders and that kind of thing. I just thought it kind of dragged on a little bit. I wasn't too uh, interested in Joyce's chapters. I don't know, I just thought it kind of was forced humour a little bit at times and unnecessary cliffhangers as well. Yeah, I, 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 it, was un- it was an okay book. It was an easy read. The characters were interesting. I liked the premise of it. It's off, like, I've never read a book before where you had, you know, elderly folks as the protagonists. It was almost like, um, like the opposite of, of those, like, children movies where the ch- the children end up solving the case at the end of the day and all that kind of thing. Um, but, no, it was interesting nonetheless. And it's, I was reading that it's his first book, so not a bad intro. But, um, yeah, overall, I would say a generous six and a half. Um, I'm going to give it a kind of debate of this one. I'm going to go with a 7.5. No particular reason that it's not higher. Just kind of that's where I, where I kind of was sitting. I was like, yeah, I think that's a fair result for myself. Actually, I, I thought it was a great book. Again, it was one of those, as we we're chatting about it, I was like, yeah, love that bit, love that part, love these characters. Um, for this sort of book, starting off, I didn't go in with any massive or great expectations of it but it definitely lived up and beyond its expectations. So seven and a half. Yeah, uh, again, I enjoyed it. Probably more, again, as time went on, as I, you know, rethought it and digested it. Um, I'm going to kind of rate it on how I felt at the time, though. Um, an enjoyable read, an easy read, nicely balanced, um, you know, between humour and, you know, nice touch points and a bit of emotion as well. Um, really enjoyed like the characters and that, but like I think I'm gonna go with like a I think a six is fair. I I I, I was gonna say six point five, but I'm kind of giving myself I'm putting myself under strict rules here now. No more point five for me because like you can always you know on Goodreads and Amazon you can only give like they five stars and you can only give one two three four five. There's no point five. No matter what scoring system you do, it'll never suffice. So I'm like, oh, like I'm either going to go for a six or I'm going to go for a seven. So unfortunately at the time, I kind of leaned a bit more towards a six. And I think that's a fair, I think that's a fair, fair score. I'm actually, it was funny you were saying about the point fives, Marty, because I kind of had this discussion with myself as well. But I'm actually going to give this a nine. And I felt like, you know, maybe nine was a bit high for this type of book. But then I was also saying, like, you know, if I had picked between eight or nine, I feel like it's definitely better than a lot of the things, or I would have enjoyed it a lot more than books that I've given an eight. Because to be honest, like I, I really enjoyed it, like, and I couldn't fault it nearly at all. Like I felt it was like you know, laugh out loud, funny in spots. I felt it was like really compelling. Like you know, I was kind of the characters are well drawn. Like, and I found it was really kind of like you know, the, the, about old age in particular. I felt it was really moving and really kind of no, like nicely done, and like it was just. You know, yeah, I found it was I found it was a really nice balance though between those also all those kinds of elements. And then a bit of a murder mystery too, and like there's a bit of intrigue there without kind of without kind of banging you over the head with it. Like, you know, there was a kind of a, a, a nice bit of that element too. Uh so yeah, nine out of ten for me. It's a really high score. I'm gonna go for uh <laughs> despite your talks about half marks, I'm gonna go for seven and a half, I think is what I decided before this. Really enjoyed it. Like I still read the second book, actually pre-ordered the second book. So it shows how much I enjoyed it and read that uh, when it came out a few months ago. It's absolutely brilliant as well. Definitely recommend it. I bought this book for my mother for her birthday after I read it and she loved it and she gave it to my dad and he loved it. So anyone I know has really enjoyed it. I think who has read it. I know we were saying before we were a little bit wary about some of these kind of chart bestsellers because 
some of the ones we've read maybe haven't been the best books. But uh, no, I definitely recommend this to people. Looking forward to the film already and seeing how that comes across. But um, I'll keep going with the series, I think. And for all those reasons, it'll be seven and a half for me. The average score there for the Lower for the Thursday Murder Club is 7.5. An annoying score for someone who doesn't like the decimal points. Uh, let's round it up to an eight. Let's give it an eight for, for the <laughs> um, Before we move on, then I suppose very quickly, would would any or all of you plan to read the second book, or are you happy enough to leave it at one? I'd probably read the second one. I'd say yeah, and like that's not something I thought I would be saying before I read the first one. Like you know, it's not usually the sort of thing I'd, I'd be compelled to read the sequel in. But no, I I definitely would read another one. Yeah. If we decided to have it on our list for next season, like I think I'd be I'd very happily read it, but I don't think it's one I'm going to be uh, adding to my to-read list, you know? I'd, I'd add it to the read list purely as a kind of, I felt it was a nice balance between something relatively serious, but as kind of Marty said, it's nice and easy to read, but, uh, you know, perfect one to have in the background. Good stuff. And then just before we wrap up, is anyone reading anything else good at the minute that they could recommend for our listeners? Actually, I have to say, I've been, uh, over the past, say, month or two, I have been pretty poor for, for getting my reading in. Mum and Dad are actually out here for March, and just, you know, yourself, and you kind of, you know, have the time to sit down with a proper book. So I actually just bought one of Jack Kerouac's novels, The Town and the City, yesterday. And I chanced Don Quixote, is that how you pronounce that name? Don Quixote. Uh, you know, that old Quixote, that's the one. We can, so that was recommended by my brother after I read Shantaram he was like read something fucking decent with you so <laughs> I thought sitting there so I'll give that a chance and hopefully by the next podcast I'll both have had it read and be able to pronounce the name correctly Baby steps. Franny reading anything good? Uh, yeah I'm nearly I know I mentioned this the last time I'm nearly finished Dune do you know like the, the fancy novel that was just out as a film that's very good but very uh, it's very high fantasy like you know it's really like like he, it's it's complex and it's kind of dense and like he delves into these concepts that are only kind of concepts in the book and in the story and whatever. So like you know it is kind of it's a, it's kind of tough going in spots, but no, it's good. It's worth reading. Um, and I'm reading Captain Crowley's Mandolin as well. It's like kind of like it, it'll be kind of regarded as a classic or whatever. But I actually had read it years ago, but it, there was a copy of it in the Airbnb we were staying in in uh, in Portugal, and I kind of picked it up and was rereading it, and it's it's really top class. Like it was like you know I really really enjoyed it the first time I read it. And I was kind of wondering how I was going to feel about it this time, but no, it's it's still up there. It's one of the best books I've ever read. I'd say it's really, really excellent. So yeah, there's, that's definitely a recommendation for me anyway, if, if someone's looking for one. Brilliant stuff. And last but not least, Marty? Yeah, I have a few going on, actually. Um, I finished this like Thursday Murder Club before, before Seamus O'Reilly's book, so I've had a good bit of time, you know. I'm nearly finished... The, the Subtle Knife, uh, the second in the Northern Knights series. Like, I I don't know how I missed it when I was a kid. Like, I love them. They are so good. Like, and really, really, I'm loving it now. I'm also um, well through Friday Night Lights. Um, I'm, I'm sure the name of it is at least familiar with most people. It's uh, about a high school, high school American football team in rural, uh, rural America. But it's in a sense, it's kind of like GA, where like this specific high school team like really bonds, uh, bonds an area together, you know. So, um, it's trials and tribulations that is really interesting so far. I have to say, um, regardless of whether you have an interest in this sport or sport in general, 
then I have, well, I haven't started this yet, or I've been eager to to read a Stephen King book. You know, I've never, I've never actually read a Stephen King book, and I've been kind of asking people I know who have read it or who do read Stephen King, like what what they think to start with. You know, and one recommendation I got was The Talisman. Like, and I went to look it up, and I said, Oh yeah, I'll get this. Great. And, and this like goes 782 pages. Like, what the fuck? And uh, and uh, then I was like, oh, it can't be that. And I looked into different other people, or I asked different people and looked up different lists and like, you know, they recommended some other things. And, I, you know, I looked up them and they have 1,300 pages. I was like, okay, this is a commitment, you know. But yes, sorry, I have, uh, I have bought the talisman. Looking forward to starting it. I'm sure like anybody who's listened who is a Stephen King reader is like, what the fuck are you talking about? Get open that now and you're not going to, you're not going to stop reading it until <laughs> until you're on page 1,300. Good stuff. Uh, I've actually read a good few Stephen King's books, but they are, like, a lot of them are a slog. Like, I read The Stand last year, which is meant to be, like, his greatest novel or whatever. And they say, like, What would you book. say to start on? Um, if you were, if you were to, to look at the, the Stephen King books that you've read, what would you tell me to start on? Well, like, I'd start nearly on something like eight or something if you wanted to read something like that. Uh, but they're all very big books. Like, The Stand is a massive yeah. commitment. And they're all, like, there's a lot of supernatural stuff. I read one, The Outsider, a couple of years ago, which started off really good. And it was still a good book, but, like, the whole premise was, like, how can a person be in two places at once? And then, like, sometimes he, like, it seems, like, wrapped up like a mystery, but then it's all the supernatural stuff that's going on as well that explains all the stuff, do you know what I mean? So sometimes you're a bit, like... Yeah. But, yeah, one that's that's one thing I'm a little bit afraid about. You know, is that committing to, you know, a tome and being like disappointed. <laughs> you know, like yeah. I, I, one like my housemate has has read loads of Stephen King, um, and he's said like you know they're really well written, and they're really really enjoyable books. But he's he's like one thing I'll say about the man is he can't write a fucking end in the save his life. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah, I found that as well. So that, that's something I'd be worried about, like, you know, but anyway, we'll see how the talisman goes. Yeah, I'd say it, it'll be fucking, it'll be season five before I tell you how that yeah. <laughs> I'm reading uh, a couple of things. I'm reading, I've gone back to Blood Meridian by Cormac McCarthy. Um, it's a tough read, like I've read The Road, his other books, one of my favourite books, but uh, his books are very challenging and this is about like, uh, kind of the wild west and like the battles against the uh, native americans and stuff it's like fictional book but yeah pretty heavy going so i'm reading that and then i'm also reading bill bryson the travel writer i don't know if anyone's ever read any of his stuff but his book uh down under which is set in australia which is i'm really enjoying uh, he's talking about sydney a lot and just his different travels here so that's a change of pace from blood meridian and then i just finished another book called tall oaks by I think Chris Whitaker's name the author was really good it was like a kind of like a small town murder mystery but it's just kind of about everyone in the town and like a central mystery it's kind of like a true detective type plot but that was really good as well some really big twists so kind of a range of stuff there so I guess this is we're almost at an end for season two uh, and like our finale last year I think the plan for season two finale is to let our readers pick the book that we're going to cover so We'll all suggest the book again, each of us, the five of us, and then we'll put it to you on social media, on Instagram for a poll, and we'll have a vote, and whenever wins will be the book we'll be covering for episode 10. So we'll let you know what that is. Keep an eye on our website and our social media pages to uh, find out which book to read along with, and uh, we'll see you soon. Bye.